in the second part of the pod, we're going to talk about match day 25, of course. A bit of a mild game week, uh, but with, of course, a couple of big surprises. We saw 23 goals and two red cards uh, and five draws in those 10 games and, and the big of ca- big upset, excuse me, um, the wins of Nantes and Clermont against Paris Saint-Germain and Marseille. But um, let's get into it. So there, there's three games that I've uh, watched the 90 minutes of and, and the other one uh, I'll speak a little bit um, more quickly about. Um, the first game that I, I guess, unfortunately, I was watching uh, was Lille against Metz, a game that ended up in a null draw um, and, and a game that exactly, you remember what I um, talked about last week when I talked about match nul? That's what it was. It was a, a match nul, a pretty bad um, null draw. Only one shot on target uh, for the whole game, and I guess it, it says a bit out of it. Um, you know, we know that Metz can be a hard team to maneuver. We've seen it against Marseille the, the week before. Uh, but Lille is also cruelly uninspired every other game. And and this game, they start with David. They start with Yilmaz up front. Uh, Bamba is playing. Angel Gomez is on the wing. Uh, you know, a bit of fresh blood. Uh, but they are just never really able to bring the danger anywhere close to the men's defense or, or Kaya. Um, and, and if anything, Metz was actually probably a bit more dangerous um, then, then go the next team in counter attack. Uh, but again, you know, they, they have a cruel lack of striker and, and players like Opa Enget and Ibrahim Anyan just aren't living up to their, um, to their legacy. And, and, and also a player like, uh, Farid Boulaya, who's such a, uh, such an offensive threat usually for Mess, just is a little bit under, um, these days and, and it's costly for, for Mess, unfortunately. Maybe the the most uh, animation, the most intensity there was into that game uh, was on the bench with, with Mess coach um, Antonetti being sent off during the game and, and giving a pretty intense post-game excuse me, press conference who, who basically he was having a go at the journalists, um, telling the journalists that he's a bit um, you know, tired of hearing that he's the one who's always wrong and nobody else is, uh, is ever blamed. Um, and I guess I'll, it's more important it was more fun than the game, so I want to talk about this. Um, so basically, during the game, you, um, Frédéric Antonetti almost has a fight with Sylvain Armand, the, the former PSG player who's now, I think, is the TD at Lille, the technical director. Um, and Antonetti um, has basically defended himself during that press conference, saying that you know everyone is always after him, but when the president and the technical director of the other team are in his technical zone, screaming at the ref and putting pressure on on the ref for a penalty, no one says anything. And so he tried to basically remove those two himself, and, and that's when um, things sort of decided to like, started to go south. Um, Antonetti, you know, went on to say that he basically will never be that sort of nice, dialed-down coach that journalists want to see, um, and that journalists aren't happy with it. Well, it's too bad for them, basically, because, you know, Antonetti, he's, he's 60 years old, and we, I said in the pod before what he's been through the past couple of years, unfortunately, um, terribly losing his, his wife to illness. So I don't think you should expect a coach like him um, with that experience of football and life in general to change his character right now. To be honest, I actually really like Antonetti's character. I like somebody who sort of keeps it real, um, although sometimes it does go too far. Uh, but he's very honest and he says things the way he feels them. And he's not here to sort of like try and make sure he has a nice image or whatever. He's just here to be um, who he is. Well, I guess what I'm more worried about is his ability to get his team to actually score goals this season. Um, you know, Mess sits at the bottom of the table right now, um, sure level with three other teams, all at 21 points. Um, but still, it's um, 
it's a bit worrying for, for Antonetti and for his team because they're really struggling to find the solution um, offensively. For Lille, uh, 11th on the table right now, only four points from fifth place reign. Um, but just um, yeah, just a, a complicated game to watch when you see that nobody is able to to go through that mess defense. So, like I said, again, it's hard to maneuver. Um, but you would expect for a team who, who's about to play Champions League game this week um, to bring a bit more intensity, a bit more pace to, to a game like this. Um, Lille will play at Chelsea on uh, on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning here in, in Australia. And um, obviously, it's going to be, um, you know, different opponents than, uh, than the FCMS. So a win would have, you know, I think do them a lot of good. Uh, but no, noodle draw is, uh, is how this game ended. The next game, of course, is Nantes against Paris Saint-Germain and a um, 3-1 win for Les, Les Canaries. I mean, of course, a surprise. Uh, and of course, no one expected that game to to end up that way. Uh, Colomani scored first at the fourth minute. Uh, Kante Merlin scored at the 16th minute and Ludovic Blas scored a penalty uh, at the end of the enjoy time of the first half. Uh, Neymar scored for Paris Saint-Germain at the 47th minute. Paris Saint-Germain ended with um, 72% of the possession. Um, nine shots of target for Paris and seven shots on target for Nantes. Um, so not, you know, not all dominated by Paris Saint-Germain. Definitely a bit of a, a bit of an even game. Um, obviously, you would expect Paris to be able to see Nantes off and any other team um, that way. It, it was, you know, arguably the, the biggest if, upset of the weekend, of course. Um, you know, Nantes was up 3-0 at halftime. And it really put PSG defense through, um, you know, all kinds of trouble during that first half, during the whole game, to be honest. Because uh, because PSG, to be honest, wasn't even that bad offensively for once. Uh, you know, Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe kind of found each other. Um, they did have a few opportunities. Uh, they just couldn't score, and they just either were finding um, Alban Lafont on their way or were not finding the target. Um, but defensively, their shape was uh, all out of whack, really. Um, you know, players all over the place. Uh, and you know some of the um, some of the one v one were definitely um, impossible for Paris to be able to keep that way. Uh, when you think about Moses um, Simon in front of Chilo Kerrer, for example, um, it, it was um, it was so easy for Simon to be able to go through Kerrer that it's uh, it's a bit scary for a team like Paris Saint Germain. Um, uh, Colomani was the first to score, and you know, and Colomani um, is a striker that is often compared. Um, from afar, but still to Kylian Mbappé because they both grew up into the same neighborhood and, and they are born actually 15 days apart. Um, so he was the first to, to punish that passive PSG defense. Um, and to be honest, he almost scored a couple of more goals in that first half, the same way, you know, finding himself between the last defender and the keeper and, and being at the end of a, a receiving end of a cross. Um, Quentin Merlin, the, the young fullback who's coming into the spotlight this season, scored a beautiful first career goal, a shot from the edge of the box, uh, that took a slight deflection and ended up in the, in the top left corner. Um, but most of that first half, um, you know, not every time they were going into um, Paris half, they just were dangerous. Um, Ludovic Blas was having a field day in the middle of the park. Um, Moses Simon, like I said, on the sides um, in front of Thilo Kerrer, just, just a bit too much for the German defender. Um, and Kirivella in, in the midfield, the former Liverpool player, um, just, you know, Really causing problem to Wijnaldum and Verratti with his uh, with his all out and about press. Um, there was a bit of refereeing drama during that game, of course. Um, there was a pretty dangerous tackle by Nicolas Palois on Mbappe that arguably 
deserve a little bit of something. You know, you could have you could have at least given a yellow to Palois. Um, the rest you didn't even give a foul. Um, but um, you know, I think yeah, if a yellow, even if a red card is given to Palois, you know, people might complain, but they wouldn't protest that loud. Seconds later, and just before halftime, um, Wijnaldum sees his hand um, stopping uh, a header from an end player into the box. The hand is definitely away from the body. That's uh, so a weird move to see him having his hand where it is. So the ref waited for VAR to check and then gave a penalty that Blas um, happily converted with a powerful, powerful shoot in the middle of the in the middle of the goal. 3-0 at halftime. We hadn't seen that since PSG um, lost to Barcelona, the famous remontada. Uh, in Barcelona, where they where they lose six one. Um, since that, no one has ever been up three zero against Paris Saint Germain at halftime. You know, of course, Paris came back strong and and scored with just a couple of minutes in the second half. Uh, but then there's that sliding door moment where um, Mbappe gets a penalty, um, justified, and Neymar takes it and Neymar misses it. Um, you know, the Brazilian is one of the most skilled penalty takers probably in the world and and one of the best in Liga. And probably PSG's best penalty taker, even though he has Mbappé and Messi in that team. Um, but when he fails to wrong foot the keeper, because his whole tactic is to try and guess where the keeper is going to um, jump and wrong foot him, well, his pens just look like it's a pass to the goalkeeper. And that's what this weekend's looked like. Lafont picked the right side and um, Neymar basically gave him the ball. It's uh it's a second time this week that Mbappe gets a penalty and he lets one of his co-star um taking it um Messi this week and, and Neymar this weekend and they're both missing it so I'll be interested to see um who takes the the next penalty that um gets awarded to Paris Saint Germain. Anyway, the rest of the game was Paris Saint Germain trying to find inspiration and and trying to find holes in the Canaries' defense, but they just couldn't. Um, the final score is three one and it's an immense success for Nantes. It's an immense success for. Comboire. I'm not going to say it's a revenge because it's, it's, it will be too easy to say that every time. But just a reminder that Comboire was the coach at the very beginning of the um, Qatari era at Paris Saint-Germain and that he did well the first six months. Uh, yet it was pushed uh, away from the club when uh, Carlo Ancelotti arrived because the club wanted to sort of um, show that they had this kind of ambition and wanted to get a coach that already had won the, the Champions League. Um, so I'm sure he's got that somewhere in the uh, in the back of his mind, and he's happy to uh, to get that win. It's also a very good win this season because they Nantes are now back at level with Monaco and Lyon on the table. Um, it has little consequence for Paris Saint Germain, really, who still have a comfortable cushion at the top, especially with Marseille losing. Uh, they still have 13 points um, ahead of their second uh, team, so it's uh, it's not that much of a big deal for Paris Saint Germain, except maybe besides um, what he would do to to their heads. It's only the second defeat. For Pochettino's men, excuse me, in Liga, um, and twice it happened after a solid win in Champions League. Uh, they had lost to Rennes after beating Manchester City, and now they're losing to Nantes after beating um, Real Madrid. I think the psychological and the emotional lift um, between Liga and Champions League is obviously something that um, needs to be worked on in the capital. Um, hopefully for them, it's just uh, it's just one loss, and and they're not going to have a, a couple more, otherwise it'll put Pochettino in a uh, peculiar position, even with um, that much advance at front. The next game in the other upset of the weekend is Marseille losing at home against uh, Clermont Foot. Uh, Clermont with uh, just a perfect game, really. 
Um, you know, um, they scored early by Mohamed Bayo, uh, a beautiful goal, a shot from the edge of the box in the top left corner. And, and if you don't know Mohamed Bayo, you're probably going to know him very soon. Um, and then after they score, they are happy to defend a little bit lower and they're happy to, um, you know, put some pressure on this Marseille midfielder that can be so good sometimes. Um, and then Marseille sometimes when they have the ball and when they have so much possession, uh, where you can see how inspired they have, how uninspired they are, um, how there's no crosses going to Milik, uh, how everything is trying to be patient and, um, and slow and, and trying to find a series of passes to be able to go into the box. They have a few opportunities, Marseille, but, um, Joko, the goal scorer from Clermont, uh, had, had a very good game and, and, you know, three, four saves that, um, you know, made the whole difference in the end, really. Uh, and then, um, you know, it, to punish Marseille, set piece um, at the very end for Clermont and uh, Jim Alevina's first ever league goal after scoring 12 goals last year in Ligue 2, um, scored a header on a set piece. Um, Alevina is only a meter and 72 and yet he scored a header over um, Jason, who's a meter 80. Uh, yeah, Alevina, the second goal scorer, Bayo, the first goal scorer. It's two players that, um, you know, were instrumental to Clermont coming back to Liga. Uh, and are showing that they are also able to uh, level up to um, the, the top level of French football. Uh, yeah, Mohamed Bayo is a uh, is a striker that you know if you take his credentials, uh, he's uh, he's of African descent. Um, he plays for um, an African team. Uh, he has you know shown how good it was in Ligue 2. He helped his team coming to Ligue 1, and now uh, he's performing in Ligue 1. Uh, the last player of of this kind of um, description, who's a striker, who's uh, a tall striker, who's able to um, score headers as well as is able to um, show how good he is. Uh, technically, I'm sure most people see where I'm going now. Uh, the last player who was that good was probably DJ Drogba. Uh, and we know the career that Drogba had. So, you know, it's not the same uh, era. I feel like a, a player like Mohamed Bayo would go straight to England now. But I'll be interesting to see who picks him next and if Bayo is... Um, smart enough to make the right choice and to to find the right club for his next step and not burn his bridges straight away, uh, because he's a player that is very special and that could bring a lot to you know even a Lyon, a Monaco, a Marseille. Um, instead of going straight to a bigger club and maybe not seeing as much um game time, he is definitely um a talent to be reckoned with and one of the um future very good striker uh, of our of our Ligue 1, or at least a feel of, of Europe. And I'm definitely not saying too much by, uh, by saying that. Uh, anyway, Clermont played really well. You know, you know Gastien, uh, he's a coach that likes playing football, but he's also um, a coach that likes to win and that needs points to be able to stay in Ligue 1. Um, so once you are up 1-0 against Marseille, you just have to watch all the Marseille games at home and you know that you can just wait patiently uh, behind and that Marseille are their own worst enemy um, and that more often than not, they're just struggling to find openings and, and they end up playing so slowly that they almost put themselves um, to sleep themselves. And, and it's probably a, a problem that Sampaoli needs to uh, needs to work on. Um, a few weird choices from Sampaoli. I mean, you know, they're playing every three days right now. So he's probably trying to find a way to sort of rest his players and, and have them being at the top of their game for um, the Conference League, who is, I'm sure, also an objective. Um, so yeah, as soon as um, they're trying to go back into the, the score sheet, um, he gets Kolashina out, and then you end up having Jason playing left back. Jason, who's anything but left back, and of course the the goal comes from 
Jason Bing playing left back. It's yeah, you're you're a bit surprised. Kamara is not playing. We don't really know why. There must be a reason. But we know how important Kamara is into the middle of the park. Uh, and then Luis Enrique is the one coming in instead of maybe a, a Bakambu. Uh, yeah, surprising choices and uh, and choices that didn't pay because then um, Marseille ends up losing 2-0. Um, you know, of course, the everyone is very quick to jump on the fact that Payet and Milik playing together is not working. But we're also seeing a very tired um, Dimitri Payet right now and, and um, Arkadius Milik who didn't make a lot of effort during that game. You know, to be fair, Guendouzi wasn't that good either and Ranger was probably one of the only players who sort of um, stood out for Marseille. Senji uh, Zunder seemed out of form too, so it was just a game without for Marseille. They're, they're lucky that they still have a point um, ahead of, of Nice and so I guess they had a, a mistake that they were allowed to make. They made it. Um, but it's, um, it's an upset and it's something uh, that Marseille could pay at the end of the season. It's the kind of game that they should be winning and, and then they would have four points, um, a four point cushion above Nice. And they could, uh, you know, they could keep that loss for a game against Paris Saint-Germain or, or something like that. Uh, but as it's then Clermont, um, gets that win at the Velodrome 2-0. Um, and they, and they deserve the win uh, for today. Are we quickly going to go through the other um, seven games of the weekend? Uh, the first one was uh, Lyons against Lyon. 1-1 uh, at the Stade Bollard. The goal scorer close for Lens at the 13th minute and Cadewere at the 44th for Lyon. Uh, Lyon, who was playing without Dembele, suspended. And, and Lyon, again, failed to make the most of their domination. Uh, 63% of ball possession. They did put Lens under a lot of pressure, but they just couldn't buy that second goal um, after Kadewere had equalized. Uh, Lance, who was playing without Gradit, and we know how important he is for their defensive stability. Uh, but the young Christopher Wu, 20, who uh, who played in uh, in defense, I like his name, Christopher Wu, uh, he, he did really well, actually, to uh, to replace him. It's not his first league game. We've seen him before. Uh, but he was he was all right against against Lyon. Lyon, who played with Ndombele and Fevre again in the starting lineup. Uh, but Paqueta didn't have a great game, and we sort of know that when Paqueta goes, Lyon goes. And when Paqueta is a bit under, then, then Lyon is a bit under. 1-1 uh, is the, the final score. And um, and Lyon, uh, again, letting some points slip that would be important for them in their race for uh, European football or even Champions League. Nice won 1-0 against Angers with um, Justin Kloivert scoring at the 19th minute. Uh, Kloivert was on fire, two goals against Marseille last week in uh, the French Cup, and now a goal to give the three points to Angers. Uh, nice, who probably deserved more goals in the game um, where they get the three points, but they get the three points, and that's what matters. Um, that long ball from Melvin Bark to, to Clovet for the goal is a great example of the talent that the young Nice left back has. And even though they recruited Amavi Nice, I feel like Bar is the one who has the, the future in that position. Uh, nice, who um, stands back up after two consecutive losses, and who comes one point behind Marseille, which is important for, for Galtier, of course. Uh, for Angers, it's a fourth loss in a row. Um, they haven't fixed any of those issues that we spoke last week. And uh, and it starts to be a little bit um, worrying for Angers. They have a comfortable cushion, eight points away from relegation. Um, but they need to start, I guess, playing a bit more football. Rennes saw off 3-4-1. Uh, the goal scorer, Girassi, at the 14th and 20th minute. Terrier at the 75th and Laborde on penalty at the 87. Uh, Ike Ugbo scored his first goal for 3 at the 39th minute. 
Um, Ren who really exposed Troyes' difficulty defensively, uh, despite the new coach Bruno Urles coming on board. Uh, not a lot of change as far as the permeability of the Blues' back three. Um, Ren scored twice in the first 20 minutes. Um, you know, Iki Ebo, like I said, um, like sort of try and put his team back together and score his first goal in Liga. Um, he's actually a talent that I'm looking forward to seeing it a bit more of. Uh, but then Ren, um, you know, dominated again and, and killed the game in the last 15 minutes. Um, I think, yeah, Troyes a lot of work to do, even with Rami defensively. It's just the whole team is just not um, quite there defensively and it's a bit hard to see. Of course, Ren is a team that will make you pay any any mistakes that you make. Uh, and they certainly did so um, this weekend. Uh, Les Rouges Noirs still alternate, you know, hot and cold week in, week out. Um, they'll need a couple of consecutive positive results so they can really cement their spot into the top five. Um, and hopefully it comes before they have to also play every three days um, when they when they get in, back in into the Conference League table. Sergeant Strasbourg ended up in a 2-2 draw a very spectacular first half. Uh, Boudbouz and Kazri, the two goal scorer for Saint-Etienne at the 4th and the 34th minute. And in the middle, uh, Diallo and Perrin scored for Strasbourg at the 21st and the 30th minute. Everything happened in that first half at the start of Geoffroy Guichard, where both teams exchanged blow for blow in uh, in half an hour. Um, Lever opened the score within five minutes with an indirect free kick into the box. Uh, Saint-Etienne on, on that one really asked for a penalty and a red card for the Strasbourg goalkeeper. Um, itself, but the referee said that rather than a foul, it was more uh, a ball that was taken with the hands after a back pass. Uh, but anyway, they scored, so they were pretty happy. Um, Strasbourg did answer well, and, and we know how good they are offensively. They were causing a lot of trouble to Saint-Etienne, but then Kazri um, put both teams at level again, somewhat against the run of play. Um, Strasbourg, as, like I said, as usual, offensively are, are pretty good. Um, set pieces were a real problem for Saint-Etienne defensively. Um, and, and then a couple of referees' decisions really went Saint-Etienne's way and, and didn't go Strasbourg way. It would have been a, a red card for Mangala. I don't think anybody would have complained. Um, the last 10 minutes were dominated by the home side, though, uh, who, you know, sort of will be happy with that point because it gets them out of the relegation zone uh, for the first time since match day five. Uh, but in the last five minutes, they had a chance to actually um, convert that into three points. Still on their good series, three games undefeated, um, something something to celebrate for Lever And for Strasbourg, it's you know not a great point, but at least it's not a loss and, and they can still count themselves um, in the in the first half of the table. Lorient-Montpellier ended up with a 1-0 for Montpellier, a uh, win away from home uh, for um, the men of Dalolio, uh, finally bounced back. Um, Salvanier, the prodigal player of Montpellier, scored at the 56th minute. Uh, you know, it's a win to get out of a bad series, but it's also a win that ends Lorient's positive series at the Stade du Moustoir. Pretty level game. Uh, Lorient had opportunities to take the lead early on with, with Lorienté, with Somano. Uh, they worked well together, those two up front. But eventually, um, yeah, Savanier, one of the talents of our league, um, took advantage of a poor pass to put the pole past Dreyer. Dreyer, who remains Lorient's keeper so far, uh, and that the goal came just before the hour mark. Lorient is still struggling at the bottom of the table and Montpellier is taking um, three important points for that elusive fight for the European spots. Reims-Brest ended up in a 1-1 draw. The goal scorer Fess for Reims and Satriano, the Uruguayan for Brest. Um, Reims who started the game the best way possible, uh, but eventually they'll probably be happy that they kept the point. 
uh, with Brest really showing up in the second half and uh, even getting a penalty that lucky for Reims, Rajkovic saved. Uh, the rest keeper is definitely one of the heroes of that game uh, and even got a bit of help from his posts um, when he couldn't save the ball himself. Satriano, the Uruguayan striker who's on loan from Inter Milan, has scored his third goal in two weeks for Brest. He's showing how important it could be for the last 13 game um, and, and you know, putting a bit of pressure on Mounier as well, uh, making sure that Mounier is going to perform. He scored last week, um, the Benignos International, so hopefully he'll, he'll keep going. Um, to not join the game, Hugo Ekitike, the young and, and very talented Rennes striker, uh, came out injured early into the game, and um, it's, uh, it's a hamstring injury, apparently. Um, so we probably won't see him um, until, until middle end of March uh, back in Liga. And the last game of the week was Bordeaux against Monaco. And the first game for David Guillon on the bench of Bordeaux finished in a 1-1 uh, draw as well. A lot of draws this week. Uh, the goal scorer, Houdin, at the 22nd minute for Bordeaux. And uh, Marcelo scored an on goal um, to level the game at the 67th minute. A red card was given to Chouameni at the 35th minute for uh, Monaco. Monaco, who was down uh, to 10 men for almost one hour. The first game for Guillaume started um, with a 5-4-1 um, formation that turned out into a bit of a 3-4-3 offensively uh, with Marcelo and Hamedozic in central defense and with um, Joshua Givalogi, the former Wolfsburg midfielder, um, next to Onana in the middle of the park. Uh, Les Girondins at first you know, had to defend well to avoid um, conceding early, but almost on their first opportunity, uh, Oudin took advantage of Caio Enrique's mistake to fire a half-volley past Nubel. Uh, Monaco, the visitors went straight back in attack mode, um, but the job, of course, was made a little bit harder when uh, Chouameni picked up a couple of yellow cards within five minutes. Uh, within five minutes, excuse me. Um, the, the second one seems a bit harsh, and uh, the referee, I guess, sort of definitely did not show any sort of understanding, empathy for the game or, or for the body movement in general, because even though there is contact and, and Chouameni maybe comes quite strongly. Um, he gets the ball before uh, he touches the player and then it's Onana who walks on Chouameni's leg and, and rolls onto the ground and sort of enjoyed himself. Although Onana was fine to keep playing after that. Uh, anyway, down to 10 men, um, Philippe Clément made two changes quite quickly before halftime. Um, got Kevin Voland and Sofiane Job out, which was a bit surprising when they are down 1-0. Uh, and, and Fofana came in to, to be the midfielder and Jelson Martins came up front. Uh, the change did pay off because um, the Monaco goal did come from Martins. Um, with, he came a little bit from Martins and he came a lot from a luck um, because it was a shot that was headed away by Ahmed Odzic on Marcelo's back, unfortunately, and the ball then ended in the back of the net. The game saw both keepers um, doing quite a bit of work, Poussin for Bordeaux and Nubel for Monaco, um, and, and a, lot of, a lot of good save from those keepers. It's, it's an encouraging draw for Bordeaux, um, you know, first game for for Guillon, uh, it doesn't you know it doesn't solve anything, um, but at least it's not a loss for the first game at home um, under Guillon. It's a bit disappointed for Monaco though; um, they're struggling to hit their form, they're struggling to keep their form. Uh, yeah, it's a draw that really doesn't make either team happy, uh, but a better result for Bordeaux than it is um, a good result for Monaco. All right, that's the end of all those games in match day 25. Let's look at the table. Paris Saint-Germain, of course, is up front, uh, 59 points in 25 games, uh, followed 13 points behind by Marseille 
and uh, a point below Marseille is Nice, 45 and 46 points for the two. Strasbourg is uh, in fourth place with 42 points. At the bottom, Bordeaux, Metz, Lorient, and Troyes. Bordeaux, Metz, Lorient, and Troyes, all with 21 points are at the end. And Saint-Étienne is just one point above all of them. Uh, the gap is then five points to get to 15th place. Clermont, who, uh, who got a crucial win in Marseille this week. The goal scorer, um, Gaëtan Laborde, joins Jonathan David and Kylian Mbappé, uh, second on the table with 12 goals. Um, Martin, Martin Taille, of course, joins them as well, as well. Everyone at 12 goals. Uh, two units behind with Sam Benyeder, who still, uh, is ahead with 14 goals. Uh, in the assist ladder, no changes. Um, Payet, close and Mbappé, all with nine assists each. And um, this week, we have a couple of games in Europe. Uh, Chelsea is playing against Lille. Uh, Lille is going to be um, having a hard time getting results in Stamford Bridge, but we never know. Uh, and Marseille is playing the second leg of their um, Conference League playoff on Thursday night, Friday morning here, um, against uh, Karavash in Azerbaijan. They won the first one, 3-1, of course, this week. Uh, next week, we have uh, Montpellier against Rennes. We have Strasbourg against Nice. It's going to be an interesting game, this one. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain is hosting Saint-Etienne. Monaco against Reims. Metz against Nantes. Clermont is playing Bordeaux. Brest against Lorient. Angers against Lens. Troyes against Marseille. And the week will finish with Lyon hosting Lille. Thank you very much once again uh, for listening to the French football podcast Casse les Lignes. Um, I'm looking forward to the next episode next week. I think, uh, you know, I think maybe uh, I'll talk a little bit more about um, Mohamed Bayo if uh, if I feel like he's the guy to talk about this week. Uh, but anyway, as usual, you'll have a bit of a focus first and then we'll go through match day 26. Thank you everyone for being faithful to Casse les Lignes and I'll speak to you soon. Ciao, ciao. 